On this edition of the The Simd Podcast, Daniel Snyder, John Gruden, how the Gruden leaked emails led to the eventual sale of the Washington Commanders. I got the story. It's a lot to break down. I'm all over it. James Harden, Damian Lillard, we're still waiting. When will a move be made? Lillard standing 10 toes down in the beard, switching the story up from that all white party. I got the tea. We'll get into it. And lastly, everyone in a mama who thinks they bought that life in the NBA is out there in Vegas with Summer League. What have I heard? What have I seen? We're going to dissect all of that and more on the latest edition of the The Sandy Podcast. I'm primero de miles. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the The Simd Podcast. I'm your host, Sandusme Jr. Follow me at the Elon app. Yep, I'm still over there at The Simd. That's T-H-E-E-S-A-M-D. Podcast is also up there at The Simd Podcast. All one word. Not on threads. I am on spill. But if you're not on any of those, I feel you. It's all good. You can follow along with the podcast at The Simd Podcast on the Zuckerberg app. The other, other Zuckerberg app and the China app. For all content, audio, and visual, hit up thesamd.com. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're building a community over there. A lot of NFL people, a lot of NBA people, and all sports in between. If you want to join that community, hit up the YouTube link in the podcast description. Or if you're here on YouTube, the link in the video description. Musical production done by May 1st Music. Support him at soundcloud.com slash... May 1st music. Surprise, I can still do that intro. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. I understand. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> but uh, thank you all for pulling up. I enjoy um, doing this podcast and I enjoy now being able to have a visual component to the podcast. And hopefully I get all the editing done in time to have both come out within a relatively uh, close time frame. But Listen, let's get right into it. Daniel Snyder had a black male PowerPoint. I don't think y'all hear me. So let me go ahead and put myself in a nice little cute box here. I don't think y'all hear me. Daniel Snyder and his lawyers put together a black male PowerPoint and it was displayed amongst league officials, NFL owners, and your man's Roger Godell, Daniel Snyder pulled what he thought was the big joker. He pulled the big joker, but he ended up reneging. He ended up reneging. He tricked it off. Oh, man, there's so much to get into in this story. Let's go ahead and jump right into it, bro. Headline, he was free and clear how the leak of John Gruden's email led to the fall of Commander's owner Dan Snyder. Now, look, I'm going to recommend y'all read this story. It's a lot to read. I'm going to recommend that y'all do it because there's so many little nuggets of information and just little morsels of information that really put this whole story together. Seth Wickersham, Don Vanata, the Full Letter Network, investigative journalism done at a high level with this piece of reporting here. So there is a lot to dissect here. One is 
the Raiders angle. Mark Davis feels like he was set up. You see it here on the screen. It felt like a setup. Mark Davis would later tell an associate. So there is a factor here where Mark Davis felt him and John Gruden and therefore the Raiders organization were singled out by the one leak of the first email that had John Gruden calling D. Morris Smith, the now former head of the NFLPA or whatever Trump up title he had, uh, calling him Dumb Morris Smith. And then also using a racist trope about his lips, comparing them to Michelin tires. So Mark Davis felt like, well, why is my team being singled out here? Why is my coach being singled out here? Now, let's be clear. John Gruden was going to skate on the DeMora Smith email. He was going to skate on that, okay? It wasn't until the second set of emails were released, ones that were him using language and slurs tied to the LGBTQ community. Those are the ones that actually forced Mark Davis's hands and got him up out of there because Mark Davis owns a piece of Las Vegas Aces, WA, WNBA franchise. They have lesbian players. They have lesbian fan base. They have lesbian employees. Also, on the Raiders specifically, Max Crosby was the first openly active gay NFL player. Has anyone seen Kerry Rhodes? If you know, you know, allegedly. So, so Mark Davis was forced to be like, all right, man, like, all right, much like anything else, we can let the black stuff slide, okay? We can just let, if we just lay low the black stuff, the D. Morris, Dumb Morris, Michelin lip tire thing, we can let that go. But the LGBTQ stuff, no, 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 no. I can't, I can't justify because I have one openly active gay NFL player as opposed to the other, you know, 40 to 50 other black guys on this roster. I got this one, this one active gay NFL player on this team. So I can't, I can't let Gruden slide. And then also I own a WNBA team. Enough said. So never forget that. Okay. One, one, when you're understanding how we got here, don't forget that piece. So the Raiders feel they were singled out. Mark Davis felt his hand was forced. He was forced to hire, fire a coach that he just was trying to hand over $100 million for. John Gruden is trying to sue to get every single penny of that $100 mil, And could you blame him? After you read this story, you understand why John Gruden is suing the NFL. And it's not even necessarily like I feel for John Gruden. It's not even necessarily that I think John Gruden was unjustly fired. It's more so of why am I the only one to catch hell from all these 650,000 emails that were secured? Why am I the only one that was held accountable for what was found in these emails? And I think he has a point because there are a bunch of camps that had motive to go after John Gruden. And that's where things get a wee bit spicy. So apparently John Gruden and Roger Goodell, some static there, static there. And it was not even 
uh, during his tenure as the coach the second time around with the Raiders. It apparently was his time in the booth with Monday Night Football. Him and Raj just did not clash. They, they clashed. They just did not get along. So clearly there was something there. Some animosity. Much like how Jeff Van Gundy was recently laid off by ESPN, the four-letter network, right? And on my daily live stream, Timeline T, which you could subscribe to on the YouTube channel and check out Monday to Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern. We're on a little bit of a hiatus now because it's a dead time in live sports, but we'll be back soon. On the live stream, I was speaking on how, you know, Jeff Van Gundy, one major criticism that I know of specifically in being in, 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 in and around league circles is that when Mans would be a little bit too critical on the broadcast, the powers that be didn't like that. So if you're trying to cut salary or just trim the fat, if you're the full of the network and you have someone on your lead broadcast on one of your biggest league partners, and he's kind of saying some of the quiet stuff out loud on your airwaves, on your highest level broadcast. Yeah, he might be the one that you let go. Even though Mark Jackson, if you really want to do tomato, tomato, you know, apples to oranges, there, there's some things that you could, you know, find a reason to get Mark Jackson up out of there. But he has made amends. Right. But anyway. Jeff Van Gunny has been a little bit too critical on league broadcasts on the on the broadcast biggest stage, which is the NBA Finals, right? So you can kind of see the 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 breadcrumbs, the tea leaves as to how he might have been the one out of Breen and Mark Jackson and himself to be the one that we let go. Was this another scenario for John Gruden? To where John Gruden was critical of the NFL, critical of the officiating, and not just like us at home, oh, that's a bad call. No, he would go in. He would call out stuff specifically. So it got to the point where John Gruden said something on the Monday Night Football broadcast, and Godell did not like it one bit, and called Mans up and said, you need to come see me in my office. And John Gruden pulled up, and when he pulled up, he got faced uh, allegedly, no, excuse me, excuse me, let's, 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 let's run that. Let's scratch that. I'm jumping to the second time. The first time he was summoned was, again, after, that bad, after what he thought was a bad call, Monday Night Football game, Roger Goodell said, yo, I would like you to pull up to my offices here, and I'm going to have John Madden, and I'm not sure who the other person is, I'm going to have John Madden and one other a former player show you how you're wrong and teach you the inner workings of the safety of the game. This pissed off John Gruden to high hell because he's an NFL lifer. He's been in the league since he was very young. He's at least 20, 30 years in. It's like, how dare you try to sit me down with John Madden and somebody else to try to teach me the inner workings of the game. He didn't show up. Of course, Roger Godell didn't like that, right? So you're already on the shit list. If you weren't, if you were teetering on the shit list before, you're clearly on it now. So that was the first time. So now, let's fast forward. It's a lot to break down here, so we are going to dissect this shit. So now, there's a there's a next time, right? Gruden 
wants to start a or wants to continue or begin whatever, he has a youth football initiative that he wants to kick off. And he sets up a meeting with Roger Godell. Now, again, this is after he didn't pull up when Godell said to pull up. So Gruden sets up a meeting through the league office to have a sit down with Godell to pitch his youth football initiative. Here's the thing. <laughs> this time Gruden did pull up. Guess who didn't show up? Your man's Raj sent his assistant in to hear the pitch from John Gruden, which again had Gruden filming, filming. Now Godell did eventually show up but at the very end once the pitch was over to shake his hand and then he bounced on his merry way. So there's static between Gruden and Roger Godell. Was Godell the one to leak the emails? So that's one person who has a motive to potentially leak a damaging email of John Gruden's to the press. What about D. Moore Smith? He had motive because he was on the verge potentially of being bounced out of his position at the time as the head of the NFLPA. He was up for re-election. It was looking down bad for him. The best he could do was a tie. He needed something to put him over the edge to secure one more term as the head of the NFLPA. Now this one email from John Gruden to then Washington Commanders, football team, R-Words, GM Bruce Allen, that specifically cites D. Morris Smith as dumb Morris Smith and also references his lips to being like Michelin tires. That's the one that just so happens to get leaked. Now, allegedly, and I'll pull this up here on the screen. This is like a little recap from Seth Wickersham here on the Elon app. Per an associate, D. Morris Smith bragged that he helped the leak. This is per an associate, so not, you know, can't say this is concrete, but per an associate, D. Moore Smith bragged that he helped the leak. So now, wouldn't you know it? After this email comes out and there's public outcry and outrage, magically, D. Moore Smith's votes swing now his way and he secures that tenure for one more term as the head of the NFLPA. Or if you really want to get layer upon layer, did Godell and maybe a few owners, because again, these owner, the, these emails were procured and they were secured, but there were multiple owners and multiple league executives, including Roger Godell, that had access to all 650,000 emails. So, I have been very critical of D. Moore Smith. I am not the only one. It's just a Google search away. D. Moore Smith has not been very good at his job. If you are a union person, as someone that came from a walk of life, myself, where I was involved in a union, in a healthcare union, 1199 SEIU, okay? If you're a union person, 
I was a former union delegate. I used to defend people. I used to fight for, for employees to get their rights, get back pay, retro pay, uh, fight for them to get uh, promotions and so on and so forth, stop people from getting fired, suspended, so on and so forth. So I know a good union. I know what it looks like. I know what it sounds like and feels like. I know what the language has to look like in the contract, so on and so forth, right? D. Moore Smith has not been very good as, at his job as the head of the NFLPA, essentially their union. If the league were to find out, hey, DeMorris might lose, that's not good for us as NFL executives, owners, and Roger Goodell. How can we help D. Morris win? Out of 650,000 emails, we pick the one that really shows the hatred of someone in the league, but someone that's expendable in the league. We show that one email that's calling out D. Morris Smith in a very nasty, nasty way. Because we need D. Morris for a few more years. We got a few more CBAs to iron out, and we need that man here. We've we got a few more streaming right deals to figure out and all that. Okay. So there's two ways where the league could have been responsible, whether Roger Goodell's alleged vendetta against his hate-hate relationship with John Gruden, or whether it's, hey, we need D. Moore Smith because we be getting over on him, so we need to keep him in position. Then you have the D. Moore Smith angle where it's like, yo, bro, I need something to swing my way. I need a couple more votes. I can't shake any more hands or kiss any more babies. I need to leak an email or two or three. Then there's the angle. And let me get this lined up here. Then there's the Rock Nation angle. Diamonds are forever. Desiree, per Desiree Perez, the CEO of Rock Nation. Now, remember, Rock Nation has a $25 million contract that helped the NFL on social justice issues. Okay. Now, that happened on the heels of the Kaepernick, the social injustice at the early part of the pandemic. All of that, right? The NFL needed someone to come in and help them look like, and I use my words very carefully, to help them look like they give a damn. And as usual, Capitalist Hove was right there willing to make someone look good as long as it lines his pockets and empowers his people. Now, if you're not familiar with who Desiree Perez is, She's the CEO of Rock Nation. She is on the board of directors of the Washington Commanders. She has very strong ties to the Snyder family. She's well-liked in some of the higher circles, maybe not in some of the mid-tier circles of the NFL League office. She's also a former drug dealer who turned and then became a DEA, DEA informant, and oh, by the way, was pardoned by Trump. Make of that what you will. 
So, Rock Nation has this deal with the league to make the league look good, to look like they are strong on, you know, curing the ails of social and more specifically racial injustice in this country and in the league specifically. Now, apparently they couldn't do anything about the Rooney rule. I don't know why Hove, he's, he's out here, the book of Hove over there in the Brooklyn library, but I mean, he can't get a brother to be hired as coach. Eric B. Enemy can't get a job, but Hove is out here, you know, running around making sure that John Gruden doesn't have a job. Okay. Okay. So there are some, there, there's some tea leaves. There's some breadcrumbs that could lead you to believe that Desiree, Desiree Perez could have also been a source of this email leaks for John Gruden because it makes them look like they're in lock sync with the league. You brought us here. Hey, on the side. Hey, here's some, uh, here's some tea that we uh, discovered here. It gets them in closer with the Snyders. I mean, I don't know how much closer you can get than the board of directors of the damn team, but you know, it keeps that relationship strong. So win-win for Rock Nation. So was it Desiree Perez and Rock Nation? So we have two ways where it could have been the league itself. We have one way where it could have been D. Moore Smith. And now we have a way where it could have been Desiree Perez and or Rock Nation. But most people believe that this was done by Daniel Snyder. So what would be his reasoning, his rationale for being the source of the leaks of all these emails. For that, I'm gonna to go to the story. So, I would like to read just a short passage, but I wanna make sure it's the right passage, so let me just... Okay, this is, if you want to believe Daniel Snyder's version of events, right? If, if you want to believe that Daniel, that Dan Snyder played a part in these leaks, this is the paragraph here that talks about it, right? Sources said Snyder, who was serving a punishment after a league investigation had exposed a toxic workplace culture at the team, Hope the emails would deflect blame for workplace issues to Bruce Allen while currying favor with Godell by giving the commissioner a chance to eliminate Gruden, a longtime antagonist. So here's where the shit gets layered, right? We have Daniel Snyder, who was already being investigated for a toxic workplace culture. Now, that didn't even get to the sexual harassment stuff yet. So purely just a toxic workplace culture. Now, that involved sexual harassment from other employees, allegedly, to women that worked in the office there. And then there's that nasty story we talked about years ago about the cheerleaders and the trip to, where was that, overseas, right? Somewhere in the Middle East. And allegedly being, um, hmm, auctioned off is the only way I can really say it. They were basically being auctioned off as potential high-level escorts for men of power on a work trip 
It's a real thing that happened, allegedly. Um, so he was already under the gun for this toxic workplace culture. So he thought, well, look, I'm not really feeling Bruce Allen or I'm willing to get Bruce Allen up out of here if it allows me to skate on this toxic workplace culture stuff. Okay, so let me go ahead and I'll sacrificial lamb my man's Bruce Allen because he's all he's on this email chain with Gruden. And I know Godell don't really rock with Gruden, so this is great. Let me slide and I will offer up Bruce Allen and you will get your man's John Gruden about the paint. This is what he thought he was doing, right? And this is after, again, I have to make sure it's clear here. This is after the racist email about D. Moore Smith. This is now going towards the second set of emails, the ones that had the LGBTQ slurs from Gruden to Bruce Allen. Okay. So now that's the way of where it could have been Daniel Snyder. So we have multiple ways where it could have been Roger Goodell and or the league front office. We had it being, we had a way where it could have been Demore Smith. We also had a way where it could have been Desiree Perez and Rock Nation. And we now have a way where it could have been Daniel Snyder himself, allegedly. Where do you stand? The fact of the matter is, is that to me, it doesn't really matter because Daniel Snyder had a chance to skate. Okay. Daniel Snyder had a chance to skate because he used that black male PowerPoint where he walked into a league office and had screenshots of emails and text messages that had disparaging content from high level executives and owners which was part of that 650,000 emails because the Washington football team had access to it. The Raiders had access to it and the league itself had access to all those emails. So there's only a few places these leaks could have came from. So you have to count the Raiders out, right? Because the Raiders wouldn't sabotage themselves. So you have to take them out because the Raiders are the only one that lost in all of this. I mean, you could say Daniel Snyder lost. He want, he wants to still own this team, but he still gets six bill to walk away. So even though it's a loss, it's a very minor loss. The biggest losses were suffered by John Gruden and Mark Davis. And the way this lawsuit is looking that uh, John Gruden has, he might, not, he might not even really, really lose because he's probably going to get all that bread that he was supposed to get in that $100 million contract. He just has to work for it. Mark Davis might end up being the ultimate loser here. And that's why he's out here saying that he feels like this was a setup. And if you know his father, Al Davis, Al Davis sued the league and won back in the day when that never happened in an antitrust lawsuit. So he always felt like the league had it out for him ever since he won that lawsuit. And now it's trickled down to his son. And also Al Davis treated John Gruden like a son. So that whole, you know, trifecta right there all feel like the league is out to get them for a myriad of reasons. 
man, this is a lot to break down. But I, I love that this is the episode that I choose to come back on because y'all know how I tear into shit like this, right? Okay, so where were we? There was a, yes, the blackmail PowerPoint. Let's go ahead and highlight this. I'll do a quick little read on that point. Snyder's lawyers began to show a series of slides. Those in the room were stunned, according to sources. What was presented was not a defense against any of Wilkinson's findings. Wilkinson was the uh, lawyer that was that was in charge of combing through those 650,000 emails and was supposed to summarize the toxic workplace harassment stuff and all of that. That's what they thought they were going to be presented with. Basically, they thought Dan, Dan Snyder's lawyers were going to come in there and shoot all types of bail for why Snyder should not be um, responsible for the toxic workplace harassment that was going on at the Washington football team. Instead, what they got was a series of screenshots of potentially embarrassing emails and texts from several top-level executives, including Roger Goodell's top lieutenant, a man by the name of at least Mark Pash or Pash, the rationale, according to a source with firsthand knowledge, was to argue the hypocrisy of league officials judging Snyder. The tactics were so ruthless that some attorneys felt uncomfortable. Although none of the context was sexist, anti-gay, or graphic. Now let's dissect that. None of the content was sexist, anti-gay, or graphic. There's only one thing left. It's not sexist. It's not anti-gay. And it's not graphic. What does that lead to tell you? The content was. What does that lead to make you think that content was? Emails and texts from several top-level executives, including Godell's right-hand man, but none of it was sexist, anti-gay, or graphic. To me, that means the last thing left was, but it was racist. Okay, okay. Tell me if I'm wrong, if you think I'm wrong. But anyway, I continue on in the story. If Godell didn't do what Snyder wanted in terms of handling the Wilkinson report and punishment, these emails and text would be leaked. It became known in league circles as the blackmail PowerPoint. Bruh. So this was a power play using this blackmail PowerPoint. And here's the funny shit about it. It worked. It worked because if you remember, there was a bunch of stories that came out where Daniel said it was like, yo, I'll take the whole ship down with me. Jim Ursay was trying to calm shit down. Jerry Jones was trying to calm shit down. But very much Dan Snyder was trying to power play this whole thing out. He was able to dictate his punishment down to every detail. Snyder and his lawyers were consulted by NFL executives in the drafting of the news release with Snyder weighing in on word choices. It was an atypical and collaborative process. 
as compared with the way the league typically meets out punishment, notably in the one-sided judgments after Bounty Gate and Deflate Gate. Snyder and his team were pleased with the results, later bragging that the discipline was surprisingly light. Yes, because ultimately, he had to step away from day-to-day operations of the team for at least the next several months and pay a $10 million fine. That was it. The word suspension was never used. So now right there, he's good. He's in the clear. He just has to lay low and he'll survive. Now, John Gruden's gone. John Gruden's gone. He just needs to lay low. But could he lay low? How many billionaires you know lay low? And how many billionaires do you know will believe their lawyers when they tell them it's time to lay low? Okay. So, then you go through the stuff here with Hove and his girl Desiree Perez, former DEA informant. Um, and it got to the point where Perez made an inroad so tight with the Snyder family that she was able to get the former Rock Nation CFO to be the new CFO, and then he was recently promoted to the COO. Now, Rock Nation and the Snyder family are clients of Reed Smith, a firm with a reputation for taking an aggressive approach on behalf of famous clients. Now, back in the day, Perez and Reed Smith were allegedly involved in leaking documents to reporters and putting private investigators on now MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred to help Alex Rodriguez's lawsuit against Major League Baseball. There's a lot here, okay? Man, so much, so much. So, again, Snyder was supposed to go away for a few months. He did not like that. He did not like that. He did not like being told how long he had to be away for. Because in his mind, he had talked himself into believing that this man, Judge Roger Goodell, does not have the power and the wherewithal. Because again, the commissioner is subservient to the owners, of which Daniel Snyder is an owner. So he feels this man doesn't have the balls, doesn't have the cojones, doesn't have the authority to basically banish him from the entity that he owns, but he was willing to take the pow pow of a month. He felt it should have been a month, but the press release said several months. Cause I remember working for CBS at the time and I worked a lot of games in Washington and I was told very specifically that you will not see Dan Snyder here, but the wife was there and allegedly he was sending messages through the wife and it, it, it was a lot going on. It was a lot going on. So, <clears throat> all right, so I'm just trying to make sure I'm caught up to speed with this timeline. This timeline is crazy. You have to kind of figure out the timeline of where all this stuff goes, right? So, Gruden was able to survive the first email in regards to Demar Smith. Dan Snyder gets the pow-pow for toxic workplace harassment. 
All he had to do was lay low and he would have been welcomed back into league for good. Okay. But because he's a billionaire and he doesn't like to be told what to do and doesn't like to be told how long he needs to stay away. He, someone in in his camp, his lawyers, Rock Nation, Desiree Perez, whoever, someone decided to leak the second set of emails, which we discussed earlier, how that was supposed to help Roger Goodell because it involved Gruden, who we had a hate-hate relationship with, and it involved Bruce Allen, who Daniel Snyder had deemed to be you know, expendable. But it backfired. He already had them with the blackmail PowerPoint. But now leaking this second set of emails on John Gruden, it put a lot of pressure on the leak. Because now Gruden has to get fired. Now you can really shake up whole entire organizations. Now you can shake up actual stuff on the field, not just suspensions and people going away and you're not involved in the day-to-day stuff. No, 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 no. This is actual games are being affected here because the Raiders had to lose their coach in the middle of a season. And that was when things got too tough. That was when things got to be a little bit too much for some of the other owners and they decided we cannot allow this ticking time bomb of Daniel Snyder to be allowed to roam free. We got to put the pressure on him to get up out the paint. So now, after that second set of emails, you had Congress pull up. And now Congress wants Roger Goodell and Daniel Snyder to testify. Roger Goodell showed up and testified in regards to some financial involvements with the Washington football team and also the toxic workplace harassment. And now magically we have a sexual, a direct sexual harassment charge being lobbied against Daniel Snyder. Prior to that second email, none of that was, none of that was on the verge of happening. None of that was on the verge of happening. But after that second email, when the owners didn't like that, and maybe the league office didn't like that. Now we got Congress pulling up, It's saying, hey, open the books up. And by the way, what's up with this toxic workplace stuff? And we want you to come here and testify. Snyder ducked that and he tried to testify from his yacht over the Mediterranean Ocean, the Mediterranean Sea. Bruh, it's a lot to get into. I'm going to leave a link to this story in the podcast description and the YouTube description. I think take your time and go through it. But there is so much here. The corruptness and and the fact that, again, the blackmail PowerPoint showed that there was information, that there was communication, email and text sent with high level NFL executives that did not include anti-gay content, that did not include sexist content, that did not include graphic content. So tell me how the league that has... The Rooney Rule, the league that has end racism in the end zone, the league that has has to pay out millions of dollars to Rock Nation every year as a as a visual band aid to cover up the obvious problem. 
When will we ever get to see that information? Can Daniel Snyder give one more F you to the league as he collects his $6 billion on the way out? Will Daniel Snyder give one more F you to the league and release that information? Because that's if you really want to burn it down. He's got this information in the tuck. Why not burn it all the way down and collect $6 billion on the way out? We're all just in this waiting game. We have two, you know, perennial NBA All-Stars that are keeping us hostage for two very different reasons. We have the Portland Trailblazers and Damian Lillard and allegedly the Miami Heat. It's supposed to be close to being done. There's different rumors of how close they are to being done. Portland is still talking tough. We'll, we'll chop that up. But then we got the beard. There was reports around July 4th from that, you know, Michael Rubin, white party and all that, that, you know, the beard was photographed with Embiid and uh, who, who else was in that? Tobias Harris, Tobias Harris over me. Yeah, all of that. And it was like, oh, well, maybe now he wants to stay just because he took a pick. Just because Rubin used to own the Sixers and maybe kind of sort of cut in Harden on the side deal with Fanatics, allegedly. Uh, now, all of a sudden, we're supposed to believe that, yeah, the beard's going to stay. That's not how that works. So let's jump right into it. Portland is, quote, unmotivated to get a deal done with Miami. Now, here's why this is annoying to me. None of this is new information. None of this is actual information we can use and dissect, right? We all understand that Damian Lillard wants to be in Miami. Miami wants Dame. Portland is ready to move on from Dame. But the problem is Miami doesn't have enough. Because what Portland has been saying from the jump, you can't fool us with just a bunch of picks and Tyler Hero. We're going to need a lot more than that for one Dame Dollar. So now what we have here is we get information like this. This is from a Blazer podcast. So for those on the, uh, the YouTube side, you'll be able to get to watch this in real time. For those on the audio side, it was a podcast done by the Oregonian, the Oregonian which is the, I guess, the main paper out there in Portland. And they had a podcast and some of their reporters were on this podcast and they said, quote, if Portland can come out of this with four first, that's in first round picks, at least one, if not two young talents and salary filler, that should get it done. I'm told that right now the Heat has three first, hero, filler, and maybe a young player already. Like, willing to go with that. He's told that it's pretty close. So here's the thing. We can pretty much dissect what this deal is. The Heat have three first. That's fine. Tyler Hero, cool. That salary filler is probably Duncan Robinson, right? And maybe a young player already. I don't know who that is. I don't think they can trade the kid that that, that they got in the draft this past year from UCLA in the first round. I don't know if they could trade him already. But maybe they're going to get a young player in a secondary deal. Because there's no way that this deal is going to be done straight up, in my opinion. It should not be. If I'm Portland, there's no way I'm taking three first, Tyler Hero, filler like Duncan Robinson or maybe Caleb Martin, and now an extra young piece. There's no way I'm doing that. If you're going to, if you're going to hold firm and say you want four first, then hold firm. Don't have this be put out there by the paper that, you know, is following the team and is locked in on the Portland franchise and probably has sources throughout that organization. Don't have this be put out here 
And then the final deal ends up being three first Tyler Hero and some salary filler and some young player that we don't know is going to be that. It can be that. So this is going to be a multiple team deal. It's not just going to be a one-to-one Miami and Portland trade. This trade will most likely, I would say 85 to 90% likely be a three, four, five team deal. Now, with all these different scenarios, the Spurs were supposed to be jumping in there where they get Tyler Hero. There's been lots of options. Brooklyn has been thrown out there that maybe they get in the mix. They end up with a player. They throw in a pick to help facilitate to, uh, facilitate this trade. And out there in Summer League, there was a lot of talk about Joe Cronin, uh, the new GM of, well, not new, but newish GM of the Portland Trailblazers out there working it, working it, trying to get other teams involved because, you know, Jason Tatum, cosplay Kobe, has been trying to get it to where he's trying to convince Dane to accept Boston, but we all know that's never going to happen. There was a net scenario where Brooklyn could be the destination for Dane, but we know most likely that's not going to happen. He's holding firm on Miami. So Portland should hold firm and tell Miami, y'all figure out the logistics. I told you what I want. Four first, two young pieces, a ready-made starter, and away we go. And then now it's up to Miami. Miami has to figure this out because they don't have enough. And I really hope they do. I hope Portland calls, you know, Miami's bluff and also Dame's bluff because Dame has tricked this off and, and has been real weird about going through this whole process. There's been enough players that have forced their way out in years prior that have showed you the blueprint. Melo's done it. The Beard's done it twice. Like there's been multiple players that have shown you KD, Lowkey, Kyrie, like dudes know how to get out when they want to get out. Russie, there's tons of players that know. AD, a lot of players know how to get out. Dame's the one that is doing this seemingly on the fly. Now, I, I would hope it's not that, and I've been told that there might be some stuff that we just don't know about that can't come out yet, and that's fine if that's truly what it is, but ultimately, the way this looks optically, it's not good for Dame. Even if he ends up in Miami and creates this alleged super team with Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler, it doesn't look good here at the end. Now, time will heal all wounds. He'll come back in five, ten years, and they'll you know retire his jersey out there in Rip City and all of that, and I'll be fine. But the way this looks is just not good for Dame. But I can't wait for this just to be over with. I just need this to be over with in a major way. Like I am tired of getting the most minute of updates from the most obvious thing, which is Miami is going to end up with Damian Lillard. Like, just get this shit over with. Find some extra picks. Find it. The Warriors were able to go out there and get five second-round picks to go get Glove Jr. back. You can't find a way to get an extra first-round pick to go get Damian Lillard? Like, what are we talking about here? Hi, Philly. <laughs> oh, watching the Philly fans live and die with this beard stuff. Beard wants out. Fine, get rid of him. Oh, he showed up at Ruben's party. Oh, he's taking, he's flicking it up with Embiid and Toby. Oh, maybe there's a way. No, 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 no. Y'all fell for it. Y'all fell for it. No, 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 no. It is not that. That man don't want to be there. That man would rather go 
back to the left coast and go be a Clipper. James Harden still, keyword there, still wants out of Philadelphia and is, quote, determined, <laughs> determined to end up with the Clippers. Have you ever seen someone so determined to play with Paul George? Have you ever seen someone so determined to play with Terrence Mann? <laughs> Bruh. So this is from an athletic story. Sam Amick is the uh, reporter. Harden's stance has not changed. A source close to him told The Athletic he still wants to leave Philadelphia. He's still upset with how Maury handled this situation heading into possible free agency last month. And even with the recent revelation that Harden attended the same NBPA party as Sixers co-star Joel Embiid and former Sixers owner Michael Rubin in Vegas, he's still determined to start next season in a Clippers jersey. Hmm. No mention of Tobias there. Dan, Tobias can't even get, Tobias can't even be mentioned. Like, Tobias was there too, right? Like, damn. Tobias Harris over me? Yeah, so the thing here with the beard is, again, this move is not going to be a move. This move, like, neither one of these moves, Dame to Miami and the beard to the Clippers, don't resonate as Larry OB contending moves. Like, yeah, Miami will be better. Do I think they're going to be favorites? No. I don't think they're favorites over Milwaukee if everything is right with them. And low-key, I don't think they're favorites over Boston with the Latvian world star Christos Porzingis low-key. So to me, they're fighting to get Dame to be in contention for the third spot in the East. Cool story, bro. And if you're the beard, it's more so about wanting to be in LA as opposed to wanting to hoop with the beard, with um, Boardman and Pandemic P. But ultimately, that doesn't make the Clippers that much better. Do I think they're better than Denver with the beard? No. Do I think they're better than Phoenix? No. Because again, you're going to get 50 games, 50 to 60 games, and 60 is a lot, but you're going to get 50-some games between PG and, and Boardman, and that's if they're at peak health. Peak health, you're looking at 50 to 60 games. So I this to me is just a move of I just don't want to be on the East Coast. I thought Houston could be a thing, but Ime Odoka is out here saying he wants no parts of it. So Houston is a closed door for the beard. I mean, he could always pull up to Houston. His jersey's retired in the strip club out there. I mean, it's all good. So, but he wants to be in LA. So that's where we're at with that. And I'll go right into Summer League. Summer League has been very weird to watch online because people are just willing to um, call Webin Yama a bust after one game. People were calling Brandon Miller a bust after two games. Scoop played one quarter, then got hurt. People were riding him like I'm in time. Like the first four picks all caught heat. After like their first or second games, it was weirdo shit on the timeline. But quick summer league thoughts before I wrap up out of here, man. Lakers got some players. Lakers got some players. Max Christie. Lakers got some hoopers. And I know how I feel about Phil Handy. Phil Handy with a bunch of young hoopers. That's going to be very interesting to see. Um... Jabari Smith has taken a step. Can he translate this into the regular season? That will be important. 
Houston is going to be in that OKC mode where they're going to have way too many bodies, way too many young dudes that can go. Houston is amassing the type of talent to where two, three years from now, you're not going to want to see them when they all develop. The problem is how many of them can they actually keep, especially with this new CBA? I don't know how many of them they can actually keep. But as of right now, with Amin Thompson, with Jabari Smith taking a step, with Cam Whitmore, you know, he likes his shot maybe a little bit too much. I mean, Cam Whitmore, he likes to put the shots up and not the best shots either. But Cam Whitmore is a hooper. Houston's got some, he, they, they got some hoopers, but I want to focus on, where is he? Where is he? There he is. Chet Hive check in. Y'all heard of Chet GPT? This is Chet OKC. We are doing it right here. Chet Hive on the Elon app. I am all tapped in, but I'm ready to go heavy with Chet OKC. Uh, he is the future. What he does is like artificial intelligence. I am locked in on Chet OKC. I might get some merch up for that. It's going to be lit. I am all about what he's doing right now in Summer League. He is cooking offensively and defensively. The defense part is the part that will really set him apart. As you see here in Summer League, uh, da, 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 where's the averages? I want the average. Can we get the per game? Yes, we get the per game. Okay. So in Vegas, in only two games, so again, small sample size, but he's giving you 21 points on 56% shooting from the floor. He's not really hitting his threes, but you don't need him to do that yet. He gets to the line. He's getting you nine and a half boards. We'll round up. That's 10 boards. So 21 and 10, couple dimes, a steal, and three and a half blocks. We'll round up four blocks. So 21, 10, and four blocks for Chet OKC. That's at Vegas Summer League. Moved over to Salt Lake, uh, Salt Lake Summer League. And this is a good run. He's getting 30 minutes a night. So good sample size here. Now in the summer league before that in Salt Lake, a little bit slower out the blocks, but the Vegas summer league, he has showed out. He has showed out. So all about Chet OKC, Victor Webinyama. Uh, he's going to be the default rookie of the year, but I'm telling you right now, pay attention to Chet OKC. And I think he's going to do some real damage here. He had a whole year off. What Victor Webinyama, y'all think he's going to be in the next two to three years, it's a very good chance Chet OKC could be that this year. And there's good value for those who place bets, some good value for Chet OKC to win Rookie of the Year. I've seen some plus 500, plus 550. Just saying, might be worth to drop a little some sum on Chet OKC because he could be a real sleeper. He could be a real sleeper. I don't know if Scoot is going to be handed the keys right away. Because you still have Anthony Simons and Shaden Sharp, who is also cooking in Summer League. Victor Webinyama, you know the Spurs are going to baby him a little bit, although he says he wants to play as many games as he can. Nice job, Big Vic. But Popovich is going to make sure. He just signed, what, a five-year extension? He wants you all five of them years. So you're getting the Kawhi treatment out off rip. So that might lead to Chet, who might play. 70 games because he has to. He has to show OKC something. So he might be more inclined to go out there and push through some bumps and pains.
And OKC, just to see what they got, might be willing to let him push through those bumps and pain. So I think there's a really good chance here that Chet OKC could be the rookie of the year in a Ben Simmons type way to where it's his second actual year in the league. You know what it is? Hey, I just want to make sure I bring the tunes down a little bit. Thank you all so much for pulling up and tapping into the The Empty Podcast. I appreciate it greatly. Uh, for the audio-only audience, if you haven't tapped in with the YouTube channel, I would appreciate it if you would. We're doing some good content over there, some standalone content. Uh, Tom T will be coming back at some point as we get closer to the NFL season beginning and basketball season beginning. Uh, when there's actual stuff to talk about, we'll be tapping in. But the channel is built for, I'm going to be talking some tech on there and be talking about sports media and media in general on there. So it's not just hardcore sports. It's a lot. It's kind of like the stuff that really moves me, you know? So if you want to tap into that, the subscribe link is in the podcast description. And if you're here on YouTube, this is your first time tapping into the DCND podcast. The subscribe link is also down there in the video description. So I appreciate y'all. This has been episode 261 of the The Sam D Podcast. I'm The Sam D. I'll see y'all soon. Peace.